Your Steve Jones Show podcast will start shortly. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Brewers Outlet, your beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, and Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports, domestics, microbrews, the best selection of beer anywhere. Remember, Memorial Day weekend coming up next weekend. Stock up now. It'll be a beautiful weekend, a few days off. Wine coolers, water, soft drink, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. Six great flavors of slushies, pickle bar laid by the barrels and the dills. Indeed, second to none. All at Brewers Outlet. Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Time now for a play-by-play call of the day. Deep into the morning they went in Raleigh, Florida finally wins it. Eric Stahl with the puck, long-time hurricane, blocked off in front, and then it's up by Lundberg, he scores! White was the player in front there that does clip skates with Anderson. There is some contact there. Let's After see what they review, say. There was goaltender interference. <laughs> Sam Bennett keeps it in out front. Kachuk is shot. He scores! He scores! Matthew Kachuk, the overtime winner! The Panthers take game one! Uh, let's give a lot of good. First of all, Kenny Albert and Keith Jones, by the way, were the uh, on the TV call of the goal that was nullified. But Doug Plagans is the play-by-play voice of the Florida Panthers that you just heard. He works alone. He did all of the game plus four overtimes last night. So, Doug, congrats to you. So there we are. Guess we're still waiting for the king, correct? We are. I literally just talked to him two hours ago, and he said he would be calling from Studio 22. That's fine. That's fine. But he may be busy, for all we know. Yeah. I mean, seriously. I mean, you know, he may have had somebody come in late uh, that needed something. You You know, we don't know that. Boy, four overtimes. Like I said, I made it to the end of the second overtime. And I had, you know, like I said, it, it was car inspection day, and I had, you know, I set up an 8 o'clock appointment. I said, i got to go to sleep. And to be honest with you, I was really nodding off. Like, okay, hanging in there, watching it. It was interesting because it was one of those rare overtimes that I watched, especially the second overtime, where it didn't seem, you knew any shot could win it, but there was, like, no excitement to it. There weren't a lot of great saves, a lot of, like, whoa moments. Like, no, I think one shot hit the post. It was just so much defense. There's just so much defense in that game last night that, no offense, it, it, 
doesn't lead to exciting hockey when you have that much defense. But I did not see the third or the fourth overtime last night. I got it. I got through two. This was after I was done watching. I did watch the Lakers and the Nuggets for a period of time. Was flipping back and forth. But finally, um, the end of the second overtime, I called it a day. I was like, "That's it. We're done." You watch none of it. Thus, there were no complaints about it last night. You didn't watch. Nuggets and Lakers, no complaints for you. You didn't watch. Well, I will say this about the the, the uh, goal being nullified in the first overtime. We should have avoided the, the next three overtimes because that was a terrible call, in my opinion, for goaltender interference. The guy was pushed into the goalie, and then the goalie tripped himself. Um, and even, even was, with that, there wasn't that much contact, so I didn't understand the call. So I think it should have ended in the first overtime. Because he was in the blue paint. That's why. He shouldn't have been in the blue paint to start with. That's the issue. Doesn't think, doesn't get called that often, but yeah. Okay. Let's bring in the king who joins us from studio. I watched 22. the whole game. You stayed up. Nice. (laughs) What time was it? Excuse me. Sorry. What time was what time was it when the game ended last night? Like two oh five. Wow. And it was like seconds from going into another twenty minute, you know, in between periods, and I was like, oh my god! And I I was rooting for Carolina. And then when they scored, I was like, thank God. The goaltending was incredible, but what was happening was they were running like 20-second shifts. Yes. You know, so they could really get nothing going, you know, significantly because they were so tired. So now the goalies could really see the puck, you know, and it was – Kachuk's shot was incredible. Great, yeah. that guy's a great hockey player. So, but. well, the, the longest game, okay, was five overtimes. May fourth, two thousand, Flyers and Penguins. The Flyers, I think, I believe it's the last game the Flyers ever won, right? No, senor, no, senor, no, senor. Two to one victory. Right, which was phenomenal, uh, and I mean, Brian Boucher was the Flyers' goalie. Ron Tugnut was the Penguins' goalie. They played this entire time, and they gave up between them three goals, and Keith Primo won it. All right, and unbelievable. That's right. Um, that's the longest five overtimes. There was nobody Italian. watching. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was saying there was nobody watching at the end. <laughs> yeah. Well, a telling statistic that I—I I mean, the goaltender for um, 
um, Florida. He so is you, incredibly good. But, he is why Bobrovsky, they are yeah. there. And Bobrovsky, yep. Yeah, he, he was good at uh, Columbus. I mean, when they beat uh, Tampa Bay, when Tampa Bay won the President's Trophy, he was the yeah. Columbus goalie. He faced, at one point, it was 42 shots on net for the Hurricanes and, like, 24 shots on net for Florida. I mean, it was almost double the amount of shots that he had taken. By the end of the game, it was like 62 shots to 59 shots. So the point I'm making is the longer the game went, the more shots Florida was getting. And they were putting the pressure on. When I was watching, Florida was dominating. When I watched, Florida was the better team in the first and second overtime. I I couldn't get past this. But when I watched them... I thought Florida was the better team. Yeah, they were getting more and more shots, and they caught up. I mean, they, the, by the end of the game, I think it was, and I may be off by a couple shots here, but it was like 59 shots on that by Florida and 62 by um, the Hurricanes. But in that period, from 42 to 24, Yep. Florida dominated. They caught up. There was almost two to one in the amount of shots that they were taking, and the goalie for the Hurricanes was incredible. I mean, yeah, the, yeah, Frederick Anderson. Was, you hated to see anybody lose. I mean, you just felt for the guy. The Kachuk shot was just nobody could have stopped that. He was just came out of nowhere, and that's how Florida plays. Because I watched the entire Bruins um, seven games, and I mean. He he saved them. I mean, Marshawn had a breakaway. Yep. The Bruins were up three games to two. And Marshawn had a breakaway, which would have given them the Bruins a victory. And he just stuck his skate out and caught the puck. And, that, and everyone said, oh, well, Marshawn should have lifted it or whatever. But there was only like eight seconds left in the game. So when Marshawn got the puck, he took off down right down the center, and he knew he was running out of time, so he didn't have a lot of time to think and dunk. He just had to let it go. And he caught it just with a skate, and that outside of that, the Bruins would have won four games to two, and we wouldn't be talking about this now. But that's how good that goaltender has brought them this far, and Florida is going to be a tough out. I think they're going to win the cup. I really do. Yeah, they are a good, good, solid hockey team. Good defensive team. But and when you got a goaltender who's hot like that, man, you ride him. So sixty three saves anyway. for Bobrovsky, thirty four of them were in overtime. Uh yeah. and the only and the two goals for Carolina were both power play goals. <laughs> so so they did not score at all five on five. In no. No, and uh, Florida's good. I mean, the Bruins are really, really good, and they beat them, beat them fair and square. So, well, and the and people forget Florida actually was the team that won the President's Trophy last year. They actually had the best record in the league, so right. they're not that far removed from it. But they they've added in Kachuk, and he's made a huge difference on this team. I mean, it took them a while because they hosted the All-Star game this year. And in hosting the All-Star game this year, uh, they uh, 
they were not going to be in the playoffs, and that was the right. issue. Uh, it, and they were able to get hot down the stretch. Well, it's not unusual in the NHL. Like, I, I God, I, I want to strangle the people at WEI in Boston. They are so bad at what they do. Uh, it's not unusual. The Montreal Canadiens barely made it like two, three years ago, yeah. and they went to the finals. Right. They knocked Colorado off. They they were, you know, that's just the way it goes. And it's not necessarily the best team all year is really built to play right. playoff hockey, you know, because they play each other a lot, and now they know everybody's moves. So... They know how to get under a guy's skin, you know. They know how to take you out of your game. But and it's too bad for the teams that play well all year and get knocked out right away because then they got to face the press and you know what happened and all this. Nothing happened. It's a, yeah. it's oh, yeah. it's the best sport on the planet. I'm sorry, it, you came really close to having two teams play for the Western Division Championship and that are new teams. Yeah. I mean, that's Seattle, just yeah. unheard of right. in any I other know. sport, you know? Unheard well, of. You wouldn't see it in baseball. You wouldn't see it in football. You you wouldn't see it anywhere. But in hockey, they know how to do it. And that, yeah. And I just feel privileged right now. I, we're talking to the GOAT, the Hall of Famer, Steve Jones. <laughs> That's right. Congratulations. Uh, well, I don't know if you told your audience, but <laughs> typical uh, of uh, Matt. Did I? Did I? Have I said anything about it? No. 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 Okay, then I will, because that's yeah. my job. He, yes. Steve, has been put into the his hometown, Enfield, Connecticut, uh, Athletic Hall of Fame. And he'll be going in in September, and part of the Enfield Hall of Fame has some big names in it, like Peter King from Sports Illustrated, um, Craig Janney, hockey player. Um, it's a pretty impressive list of people that he's joining. So, Bingo! <laughs> very proud uh, of him. Have you heard the date yet? Yeah, it's September fifteenth. Can you make it? Uh, as of right now, no. And I've uh, because we're playing uh, Penn State's playing at Illinois the next day. Um, if it had been the twenty second, I was home free because that's Penn State's got a home game. But I've looked into flights. Flights are not good. And I I'll pay for t- the flights to get you and Jack out there. I'll pay right. for it. Uh, but um, today I asked. Roger Corey, because Roger is a pilot himself. Um, I said, and and I didn't tell Roger why. I said I've just got something in Connecticut on the fifteenth. I said, and I asked about a charter, and so he, he said he's going to look into it for me and see. So I'll figure. Can it out. we get Jack to go? I don't know. I haven't even told him yet. 
I will pay for the whole freaking thing. Well, I don't know about charter flight. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about here? Uh, well, no, just, I'll do anything just... so I don't have to get up there and give a speech. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about me, man. I was about to say, yeah, this is all about the king just being stage fright. This is not about Steve getting there and getting back. <laughs> there we go now. All right. But I've, I've, you know, Raj will get back to me and, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll, get we'll, we'll get you there. We'll get you there. We'll find a way to get you there. So, you you got to be there. You can't let this go by, you know? I know. Well, I'm That's trying not to, but it's, you know, if they'd move it back a week, I'd be in great shape. <laughs> yeah, well, I knew in the beginning when this process started that this would be an issue. That's when they well, have it. And well, they knew. They, was, when I When I was called about it, they knew it was an issue, too. They said we don't know yeah. with your schedule if you can be there. I said, well, we'll we'll see what we can do. Uh, yeah. Headlines coming up in a moment as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Hmm. When car repairs get difficult, well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 6.30 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 6.30 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury. And Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the... Mm. Out of auto repair. All right, headlines. King, why don't you get us started? Okay. Um... Will Ryan Day lose his job as head coach of Ohio State? I, that is stunning to me that they would be looking at replacing him. So, no, I'm with you. No, I'm with you. I, I, don't, you know. I, I, I mean, someone's got to win and someone's got to lose. But when you compile a record of like 45 and 6, you don't lose your job. And if you're going to replace him, who are you going to replace him with? Right. I mean, they're good every year, and who wants to play them? And the guy took over, and he did a really good job, and it seems like they're he cleaned it up, too, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I was just stunned when I saw the headline that yeah, they, yeah, yeah. people want his job. I don't, I don't get that. So uh, That is pretty bad. Steve, what do you got? Domingo Herman signs contract to promote rosin. <laughs> there you go. There you go. He's the perfect spokesman now because he still doesn't get it. Is that the Yankee pitcher? Yes, that yeah. keeps getting busted and thrown and now he's finally thrown out in Toronto this past yeah, week. Yeah, he had the crap all over his leg. Yes, what yeah, everything. <laughs> I didn't do it. What's yeah. all over your pants, man? Yeah, he stinks. There's nothing black out here in the field. <laughs> might as well just might as well make it a season-long suspension because I don't want him back. He stinks. Yeah, I agree. I don't, he speaks oh, highly geez. of you. you know? 
and I don't think they'll stand for it. Baseball did a good job changing the rules. Yeah. And, and the players went along with it, and the games move right along. It's good. I like it. There you go. So. Yeah. I'm going to keep my headline Yankee-related. I'm surprised this wasn't a headline in the New York Post today. After Aaron Hicks went three for four yesterday, his first multi-hit game of the season, hell has truly frozen over. <laughs> I, that was amazing to see hit? him actually I mean, go three for four, get an RBI or two last night. I, I couldn't believe it. Hey, blind squirrels find acorns too, brother. <laughs> I, you know, I can't between with the Stanley Cup and I love the hockey playoffs. I, I can't watch the Yankees end to end yet. And every time I turn them on. Oh, he's in an 0-for-21 slump. I'm like, God, he's a professional hitter. I mean, if I go 0-for-21, we're not here right now. <laughs> so, oh, tell me it's about over. it. Yeah. Tell me about it. That's a bad, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I mean, I know, like, you know, Matt's all like Volpe this and Volpe that. He's hitting 212. <laughs> That's kind of the state right yeah. now, but he still hit a couple homers. That's where we are right now. Find, find a gear. <laughs> Oh, such a long season. It is a long season. Long, long season. Oh, my goodness. Uh, My little headline's a sad one here. Uh, Jimmy Brown passed away. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. R.I.P. to a great. Yep. A lot of people passed. I mean, he was 87, but so what? He still passed away. You know, a lot of famous athletes and celebrities have passed away in the past couple years. Yeah. But you know what? Father time wins every time. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show is brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports, domestics, and microbrews, the best selection of beer anywhere. And start stocking up for Memorial Day weekend. Yeah. Wine coolers, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. Six great flavors of slushies. Pickle bar led by the barrels and the dills. Indeed, second to none. All at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, and Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street, and Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. A good friend, Jerry Dulac, joins us on the show. My friend, welcome. Great to have you with us. Steve, thanks. Always good to be with you, and I hope you're doing well, my friend. I'm doing very well. Uh, Oak Hill is about five miles from my son's house. <laughs> so there you, Perfect, perfect. I know. I'm uh, surprised running, uh, you're not there. Uh, yeah, I know. It's uh, I. It was something I considered, but there's something with the Big Ten I've got. I'm doing next week, so there was. There's. I have to go to Indiana, so there's a lot of travel involved. Um, and that's that's what entered into it. But when I look at the PGA, 
Something I don't hear, and you can tell me if I'm wrong about this. When the U.S. Open is played, a recurring theme to me is always course setup, course setup, course setup. I never hear that about the PGA, and I haven't heard it about this place. Am I right or wrong about that? No, you're right, and the reason why is Kerry Haig. I, you know, it's funny, I was just discussing that uh, last night, uh, Steve, on my uh, weekly golf show. Um, yeah, and you hear about it. Um, you don't hear a lot about it at the Masters. You always hear about it at the U.S. Open. And the British Open, I think, is they're very cognizant of the weather possibilities there. But the PGA, um, you know, they go to some of the same venues where the U.S. Open has been. And even though uh, the rough is up and it's thick, I mean, it's not its not unfair. It's just brutal. But the course setup is, um, is very fair, and you're right. But that's the reason why is Kerry Haig. He's been setting up the PGA courses for years, and uh, he does as good a job as anybody. The golfers will tell you the same thing. And it's true again uh, this week, even though it is playing very difficult. Um, you know, the, the par fours are, I, I mean, the par fives are playing over par. Where do you see that on the right. PGA Tour? It's just difficult out there. And uh, I think what's leading right now, Corey Connors just got the six. I, I, I think right now six will win. I don't. I really don't think it's going to get any. Uh, I, I don't know that it's going to get any lower. I certainly would be shocked if it got the double digits. Um, but oh. I, right now, I, I tell you what: if somebody says, "Look, I'll take six at the end of the week," I'll run to the clubhouse and take it. Uh, to me, a great story is the fact that they let PGA professionals teaching professionals qualify for it. Michael Block is at even par through two rounds at 140. And I thought he did a marvelous interview yesterday yes, while playing with, with Scott Van Pelt. When you see a teaching professional like that doing this, because you're around teaching professionals all the time, Jerry, what do you think of that? Well, first of all, I think it's very impressive. I, I, in his particular, just to be able to do that, to be able to make it is one thing. To be able to even find yourself on the leaderboard, making the cut and finding yourself on the leaderboard is a whole nother story. Um, and the fact that he is where he is, uh, you know, I think he's probably still in the top ten, if I'm not mistaken. But regardless, he's hunting right around that top ten. And, um, yeah, I, you know, the guy's 46. It's not like he's a young buck, but by the same token, I think this is his fifth PGA, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so he has some experience there. And, you know, you have to have the right attitude. You know, all those guys are going to be nervous, and when they're playing nervous, um, you know, the, the, the club professionals, it's probably going to show in their play. Uh, but, you know, listening to him, listening to his approach, you know, he figures, hey, this might be the last time I'm here. You know, he's not going in it to win it, but he's just going out there to play well and, and enjoy himself. And so um, I think he has the right attitude. And the fact that, uh, like I said, you know, he's, he's, a, he's an older guy, a tour player who's 46, you know, for the most part isn't given much of a chance to contend anymore, and yet there he is. Now, do I expect him to be around on the weekend? No, but no. the mere fact that he is there right now, I think, uh, you know, just shows you the quality of a player that he is at, at his level to be able to go in to a major championship and, and, and play as well as he has. If we had had this discussion Monday or Tuesday and we started talking about contenders, you would have mentioned several, but one of them you would have mentioned is Scotty Scheffler, who is right there 
in the thick of it right now. When you watch him play, what are the ingredients that allow him to be terrific and not only that, terrific on difficult courses? Well, a couple things. I will tell you, I really went out on a limb. He was my pre-tournament pick. Uh, but, but the reason why is he is just always there. He is so good in so many different facets, and that's, what, that's the strength of his game. He is good at everything he does. He has a wonderful demeanor out there as well. You know, he's always calm. Look, I know he's churning inside. I'm sure he's nervous and grinding. But you don't see him get upset. You don't see him... I, you know, you get the you get the kind of the, the the soft fist pump, you know, the the clench of the fist, and yeah, but uh, you know he he you know he just he doesn't have a weakness. I think his worst finish this year, Steve, is tied for twelfth. He is right. always there. He is always playing well, and especially in a big event. And that's why I thought, you know, John Rahm won the Masters. I thought Scotty Scheffler is going to win the PGA. I'll be surprised if he doesn't. Corey Connors, you know, he's a guy, I'm not going to sit there and say I'm not surprised he's leading. Again, it's only 36 holes, and he still has to finish. But, you know, he's a guy who is very accurate off the tee, um, and that's what you need here. I, I, I saw a stat yesterday that since in the last two years, I think he leads the entire tour in strokes gained overall. Um, mm -hmm. And he's, he's a really solid player. I love his swing. I love his rhythm and his tempo. And, um, you know, he'll, he'll hang around. I don't see himself – I don't see him shooting himself out of the event. Um, but, um, you know, um, I, I, I'm not surprised uh, with the way the golf course is playing that uh, he's up there near the top of the leaderboard. Has not had a bogey on today's round, which has really bolstered his case at the top of the leaderboard. But it should be pointed out because he started on the back nine, he still hasn't played six yet. And six right. is one of the toughest holes in championship golf. You know, so, Corey, I, uh, you know we're talking about Scotty Scheffler to show you not only how consistently good he is week in and week out. You know, he didn't make a bogey, uh, you know, just in, until a couple holes ago. Uh, granted, right. it's only the second round. But, you know, he was the last player to not make a bogey. And when I go, when I look at major championships and when I am there, Steve, one of the things that when I start looking at who's going to be there on the final day or on the weekend, I see who's making the fewest bogeys. And, and that's usually a good indicator who's going to be at near the top or challenging on Sunday. Uh, you know, you stay away from the big numbers. And when you're making few bogeys in a major championship, that usually is going to bode well for you. And there's Scotty Scheffler being the last player to make a bogey after however many holes it was for him in the second round. I think no surprise because now it's the second major of the year. Less live talk this time, more golf talk. But Bryson DeChambeau is the one that is carrying that flag at the moment. Now he started out the day at four under. He's now one under for the tournament. Uh, is it interesting to suddenly feel like you're catching up with these guys because they've been they may be playing and live, but they're almost in the witness protection program as they do it. You know, I, and and you're right, Steve. And I think that's what makes their appearance in the major all the more noteworthy. Not that they're back in the spotlight, but I think you you have. Look, when you tune in to watch a major, you want the best players in the world. You don't care where they're playing. 
You right. want the best players. You know, you go back to the old days, you know, when uh, Faldo was playing in Europe and, and Lee Westwood was playing in Europe and Seve was playing in Europe. But when they got to a major boy, you know, look out for those guys. They weren't playing the PGA Tour the way international players play it now. You know, the DP right. World Tour is all but dead because all those uh, uh, British players are, are playing over in the U.S. Tour because of the money being offered. So, But that wasn't the case years ago. So it didn't matter where you played. It's just when you got to the majors, you wanted the best players. And you want Dustin Johnson, and you want Brooks Kepka, and you want Bryson DeChambeau, even though he has, has not played well this year. I think his 66 yesterday was a little bit of an aberration. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect him to stay there. Did I want to see him stay there? Yeah. You know, I said this at the Masters. I was hoping one of the live players would be in contention if even or or you know even if they won especially on on Sunday at Augusta and here three of the top six were live players and I felt the same way when DeChambeau got off to a good start only because I think the people and I think they're starting to I think the Masters helped this Steve I think it it made people understand that okay yeah you don't have to like that tour you can call those people those players traitors or whatever you want to call them. But you, when, when you're talking about the best players in the world, you want them in a major tournament no matter where they are playing. And that goes, uh, you know, and that holds true whether it's Dustin Johnson or Bryson DeChambeau or Brooks Kepka or Joaquin Neiman or Cam Smith. Um, you want the best players in the world in a major. And so I think a lot of that acrimony that exists between the two tours, I think it's quieted down now. It started it, it the Masters started it, and I think this helps it some more. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, I mean, you and I go back to when the AFL was in existence. And yes, Joe Namath and the Jets were able to beat the Colts. But now you felt when they merged, they finally had all the best players playing against one another. And Jerry, you and I both know that's the only thing the fan cares about. They don't care that's about right. the politics of it. Yeah, the disservice to that is going on here is to the fans if this not right now because those players are still qualified. But if they don't get those world ranking points and, and some of those guys start to slip through the cracks because they're not otherwise qualified. Now, with the Stars, it's still going to take a couple years because they have exemptions into the majors through other areas as past champions and past major champions. Right. But eventually, if this continues for a couple more years and there are no world ranking points, that's what's going to happen. And the people... The, the, the people who are going to, quote, pay the most for it are the fans who aren't going to see those players. And you're right. They don't care. Oh, they probably have opinions about this tour or that tour, what the PGA Tour is doing, what the Live Tour represents. But, yeah, they, they want to see uh, the best players in the world. And, you know, I, when I go backward, it's, it's just over a year. Well, it's about a year that this all started to unfold. Um, I don't know what Jay Monahan was supposed to do at the time, Steve, but whatever it was that he could have done or was supposed to do, I think he's mishandled the whole situation. I agree. And his reaction to live, um, to uh, just increase the purses, let the rich get richer, almost almost divide the PGA Tour, effectively crush the DP World Tour, the European Tour, yeah. uh, because those players are now jumping over here, the top players, to play in America on the PGA Tour um, and, and then to, to banish those players, you know, lifetime suspensions, which won't hold up in a court of law eventually. But mm-hmm. I, that's, where he mis- that's where he mishandled it. I thought he could have avoided that. But from the very beginning, it's been mishandled. Again, I don't know what he was supposed to do initially, 
but I think the whole thing has been mishandled, and it's too bad for golf. I think one of the worst things that you can do in any, quote, crisis, and for golf, I'm sure from his point of view as a crisis, is panic. And right. I think, and I think, in my opinion, he panicked, and panic usually leads to bad solutions. That's just me. Yeah, he, yeah there's, no, there's no question, Steve. He, he overreacted. And, and even by coming up with these elevated events, and now you're asking the sponsors to double their contributions to the tour. And in the mm-hmm. process, you're honking off the other sponsors who aren't getting elevated events, and now their tournament with the, where they stuck around for years and years and years, now they're getting a corn fairy tour field because mm-hmm. the elevated events are attracting the top players, and the, and the top players you know, aren't, you know, for the most part, 90, 95% of them, aren't going to play in these non-designated events. So you're causing you're you know you're causing this acrimony with the with the very people who have supported you. And so um, you know there's a lot of downside to all this. The upside of course is the money the players are playing for. Mm-hmm. But you know I, at some point the sponsor is going to say, "Hey, that's enough. You know, we've paid a lot of money. We've paid a lot of money for years. Now you want me to double my support?" And um, and then maybe in another year or two, I'm going to be a non-designated event. Um, I, I think they're just I think they're just asking for trouble. No, you're playing with fire when you do that, and uh, and you're playing with loyalty. Don't play with nope, loyalty. Right. It, it has right, to be a right. two-way street. I thought it was interesting that Rory McIlroy bypassed all this, and I'm wondering because I you know I've only talked to him a few times. You've talked to him exponentially more than I ever have. I'm wondering if he looked around and said, you know what, I need to just concentrate on my game. I can't keep going out there every week and getting distracted by this. I don't think there's any question about it. You know, Rory, and to his credit, has, um, you know, accepted, taken on the role of the spokesperson for golf, not just the tour, but for golf in general. Yep. And And I applaud him for that. But, I mean, there comes a time when, uh, you know, Nick Faldo wasn't going to be that. Tiger wasn't going to be that. Uh, you know, you're talking about the greatest players. You know, Jack in his later day, yeah. But when you're playing, I think Rory got uh, gets a little too caught up in that. I mean, only because he's trying to be gracious. He feels you don't have to be the way Faldo was when he played. You didn't have to be the way Ben Hogan was when he played. You can still be accommodating and nice and still be a great player. And he has actually proved that. But while yes. he has slumped in these majors, um, I think he has to change his approach. And when he was at Augusta and he did a live interview there, you know, with uh, the CBS people, I was shocked because, I, you know, he's trying, you know, so much pressure is on him, so much attention is on him to win that Masters and, and to complete the Grand Slam. And to do an interview during the tournament while you're playing, just it just shocked me because to me, that's what he has to shut out and focus on what he's doing and tune out the outside noise. Well said. Jerry, always a pleasure. Always enjoy this. Anytime I spend with you, I enjoy it. Thank you so much, my friend. Well, Steve, you are welcome, and, uh, and it's always good chatting with you, and I'll look forward to our next conversation. You got it. Jerry Dulek, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, and has the longest-running radio golf show in America. Uh, fabulous. We'll wrap up the week in a moment. Great to have you with us today. Brought to you by Brewers Outlet here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. 
All right, great to have you with us on the show today. Wrapping up the week, brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. A Memorial Day weekend coming up next week. How about that? We are extending here. We're getting to late May. About getting closer and closer to making the turn to June. And uh, Stock up at Brewers Outlet now. And talking about imports and domestics and microbrews and wine coolers, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast the peanuts fresh and out every day, slushies, pickle bar, barrels, dills, everything at Brewer's Outlet. We're making the turn to summer now. We're not quite to summer yet. Uh, I'm in Elysburg tomorrow. I will be at Knoebels. I believe the event starts at 10 30? I think something like that. So I will be there tomorrow morning. Um, Matt will be on a roller coaster. They asked Matt why he's going to be on a roller coaster when I'm speaking. He says, because every day in the show feels that way. I don't know what that means, Matt. <laughs> I love the Phoenix. It's my favorite. I have never been to Canova's. Never have been. Really? Nope. Well, I'm glad you're going to at least change that. Yeah. Never have been there. Um, heard a lot of great things about it, but just have never been there before. I but grew yeah, up at Knoebels. Oh, did you really? I did. I had yeah. they, they many a you? class trip. <laughs> I had many you? a class trip there really? growing up. Okay. Hmm. Well, there you go. Yeah, I, I think they wanted me there at like 10 tomorrow morning. I said, sure, I'll be there. And, you know, um, it'll be a lot of fun. They asked if I wanted to go on all the rides. I was like, oh, well, I don't know. It was like today they did something where you can repel down Beaver Stadium to benefit the United Way. And several of the football players were there. And Keandre Lambert-Smith was there. And I looked over at Keandre, and I said, Key, I said, you're going to go up there? And everybody started laughing because he's afraid of heights. He says, he says, I can't even get on roller coasters. <laughs> <laughs> so then I asked Olu if he was going to go up there. He goes, no, I don't think so. I said, if you did, I'd call James. <laughs> Party time, game time, or just fun time. Doesn't matter what time it is, because it's Brewers Outlet time. The Beverage Supermarket has the area's largest beer selection. Imports, microbrews, ciders, and domestics. Pick from over 100 ice-cold 12-packs and dozens of 24-ounce singles. Soda, snacks, hot sauces, fresh roasted peanuts. Make it one-stop party shopping, and don't forget the pickle bar. So whatever you're celebrating or just doing it up, Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, Sunbury, wants to see you. And thank you for your years of patronage.